Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. My guest this week is uh, another interesting one, the Reverend Martin Walker, uh, previously known as his previous guys as Chief Superintendent Martin Walker, and way back in 1984 to about 12 of us that might listen to this, a spider, that, uh, which I've already broken the rule I said I wasn't going to do. <laughs> Martin, welcome. Welcome, guys. Yeah. We haven't seen each other uh, face-to-face for a few years now. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a while since... This we were in the same dorm together in, uh, back in 1984. In the yeah, let's not give too many secrets away. That we, uh, <laughs> we slept in neighbouring beds for a, quite a long period of time. Yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so we, we won't give too much away to that. But um, I always start these off with just asking my guests to introduce themselves with a 30-second bio. Give us the, the history of your work career and leadership career in about 30 seconds. Wow. Okay. Um, so uh, like you, Dave, uh, I was a, a policeman in London and in Sussex and uh, did a range of different jobs, uh, ended up as a chief superintendent, which I think superintendent in America, doesn't it mean like the janitor? Is that, how, is that what you call it? <laughs> but, which is probably- You were the head janitor. Head janitor, yeah. So, um, uh, which is kind of a, I don't know what the equivalent is in America, but um, so I was responsible for the county of West Sussex, which is, uh, what's that, three quarters of a million people and uh, with a staff of, 1400 people that, that kind of size and um yeah my role was uh, responsible for the policing of that area um, and in amongst that also i had some other roles um so the way that british policing works is that we have um a portfolio role so i had a portfolio roles in dealing with um uh, firearms incidents so um uh, incidents of, of, of a uh, where where criminals are using firearms so that kind of thing and folks so over this my, side may um, may know Gatwick Airport, and uh, you were responsible for Gatwick Airport for a long time. Is that right? No, 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 that's not true. No, no, no? Um, they were sort of next door to us, so there was a specific um, uh, commander responsible for Gatwick. But we, the area that I was responsible for was just south of that. So um, uh, yeah, so that, that was. So that. did that include uh, East Grinstead? Yeah, East Grinstead, if you know that. So uh, the Ashdown Forest and the home of Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh, indeed, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw him, though. I <laughs> never saw him. Although I now have a Cocker Spaniel, so we go walks around there sometimes, and that's, uh, that's, that's fun. Cool. Well, for those that are watching the video version, they may be wondering why I'm talking to another cop, because that's, but you don't look like a cop at the moment. No, so. not now. So, yeah, 2015, I um, kind of... Well, if you've got a faith, you'd understand. Uh, if you haven't got a faith, you go, why did you do that? Um, but I felt called uh, uh, into the church. So um, I had a, um, uh, a piece of scripture given to me on four occasions, independently by different people. And uh, I felt that God was calling me into the church. So reluctantly, because I didn't want to do it, um, I uh, obeyed. I kind of I didn't want to look Jesus in the eye and say I didn't think I was being called. I guess that w- that's what it was. And uh, progressed in, and into the sort of selection process, which is the Church of England, and uh, and here I am. So I'm now a priest in the uh, Church of England, working in a town called Crawley, which is again just south of Gatwick Airport, and uh, and I'm what's called a curate, which is basically like an apprentice. Um, so I work and support uh, the main priest in charge there uh, as part of my training. So I've been doing that for about three years. So um, went went to college, theological college, and then did some. 
uh, training uh, since then. And then, uh, so that's where I am. Yeah. So that's the fascinating thing. And one of the things, reasons I wanted to chat, other than just to catch up after uh, way too many years, but you, you've always been active. And if we go back to the police career side of things, um, you know, you got to what's a very senior rank, relatively speaking, and you've been active. How did you deal with going from being a day-to-day cop to being an administrator? Because knowing you, you still want to be involved in the day-to-day. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. I think I, I liken it to like flying a helicopter. And um, I think as you progress in organisations, particularly uh, hierarchical organisations, um, you know, the, the level of the altitude of the helicopter has to increase, I think. So as a sergeant, I had a small team of about 12 people. And then you can, you're very much involved still in the day-to-day uh, um, operational policing. But you're right, as, as you go um, higher up in an organization, I think your leadership style changes from that of an operational leader into that of a strategic leader. And I think that, um, and the trick is, I think, is, to, uh, is for people as they progress to, to make that transition. So, um, and I think we get it wrong sometimes when, when strategic leaders try to be operational leaders and operational leaders try to be strategic leaders. Um, and I think also as a strategic leader, I think it's really important to, whilst you're, you're flying the helicopter at a very high altitude, is to be able to have that overview of the operation, be that you know, whatever um, sector you're in, um, and then, but to spot things when they're going wrong, to spot things when they're going right. And then at that point, land the helicopter. So, um, so that you can actually sort of get get involved and put hands on again, get control, and but then not stay there, not get stuck in the mud, but actually get back up to your altitude. Otherwise, you, if you if you if you if the tendency is to to stay on the ground, then you lose that perspective. So I think that's the trick, really. So you're not really going down there to do the work. You're going down there to either support it, encourage it, engage it, but yeah. from a a thirty thousand foot perspective, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's going to tell me that helicopters won't fly. I was going to say, do they, do they fly that high? <laughs> Maybe they do. Um, absolutely. I think that's that's the issue. It's, um, and it's choosing those times to go down. And, and, and sometimes you can do that, I think, in a, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd have a morning meeting. And uh, bizarrely, we used to call it morning prayers, actually, which I, I do obviously now in a different capacity. And the, the meeting would be about all the critical incidents that have happened in, in, in the patch uh, over the last 24 hours. And sometimes there'd be some critical incidents that I'd think, actually, I just want to go and speak to the cops about that. Um, you know, and I'd, or I'd just maybe just write them a, a quick um, note on a bit of uh, paper just saying, great job last night, well done. And that, that has so much power. Or just like passing them in the corridor and going, and knowing that they did that particular difficult piece of policing and just saying, do you know what, what you did last night was really good, well done. And that in itself, I think, is, is you know, landing the helicopter and being noticed, but you're not getting involved um, the military have a great expression. It's called the long screwdriver. So, so what they what they absolutely hate is having people over their shoulder with a long screwdriver fiddling with their job. So I tried not to. I didn't always succeed, to be honest. I, I was guilty of, of having a long <laughs> screwdriver. But try not to to tinker, but just support. So, which means that you have to be like aware of a lot. Um, and and there's a lot of things that might pull you, but it's also you know, what did you use to stop allowing that pull to you know, drop down too low and start tinkering? I, I think yeah, I, you say you have to allow a lot. I don't think you do. Um, I think you have to trust the people who do know the detail. Uh, I think the, the the risk of someone who is who has done the job before is that they've always got an opinion on it, and of course, <laughs> there's never just one way to do a job, is there? Um, 
whereas I was uh, I did an MBA and and they used to call it the master of bugger all. <laughs> you can't say that as a priest, can you? Uh, but 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 I think it, there is something in that is it is very generic. So I think uh, what what strategic leadership gives you is that generic oversight and the ability to understand the business, but not to understand the detail of the business. Right. Um, and so you know you you understand that what's going on and what should be working. Uh, but not necessarily the, the, the intricacies of someone's job. And I think that's that's kind of healthy. So it's about trusting those people below you because they are the experts, not you. And what did you put in place to make sure that you could trust them? So I, I think this is really interesting. Isn't it? I think this is where the difference between leadership and management, and there's loads of discussion around that, um, as I'm sure you and your listeners are uh, fully aware. So I won't go into that, that one. Um, but I think an important part of leadership is good management. And I think there's a distinctive distinction between leadership and management and command. I think that all three are very different. Um, and they, they all are on that sort of continuum of, of, of involvement by the leader. But the management for me is around, you know, having the boring stuff in place. So having good strategy, having clear strategy, having good processes and procedures and having those uh, in place. Because if you haven't got those, then it all starts to, to, to un- unfold. And I think that at that point, then people start to, you, you're, you're using energy, which you don't need to use. And, and it, it's, it doesn't provide that compute, uh, it, um, clarity. And uh, so I think, yeah, having those um, boring management stuff is really, really important. I like that. It's, that's, um, I see your ISACs on the, the back wall there. And you and I have climbed Harrison's Rocks down there in Sussex a few times. Yeah, but yeah. The, in order to enjoy it, you have to make sure that the, there's some stuff in place. Exactly. And, and you're saying the same kind of things. Let's put some boring stuff in place and, and then we yeah. can enjoy doing what we're doing and we can lead exactly. and we can provide insight and vision yeah. and things on top of that. And it's all that stuff. And, and, and you know, it's maybe not exciting. It may not be sexy, but do you know what? It's, you know, good, solid HR policy is really important. You know, the, the way you induct your people into your, into your organization is really important. Your financial management systems are really important. Um, and your and your operational processes are really important. So all of that stuff is is vital, and then you can start to be uh, a bit creative, a bit um, going off piste. So, so then you go from being a senior cop to uh, retiring from uh, the police service and jumping into being an apprentice in the church. Yeah. yeah so how was that, that switch from going? I'm in charge of everything here to I'm not in charge of anything. In fact, I'm I'm the dog's body that now has to go make the coffee oh do you know what it, it was it was like literally one day um having you know all that authority and responsibility so the next day i was literally on a in a housing estate uh, which is like social housing i don't assume i don't know the context yep. in in um in america uh, and i was on the floor uh, on the carpet um setting out the uh, the dinky toys the, the car toys for the for the kids group and uh, i was thinking oh this is a uh, this is different but but my issue is I'm you know I think I've an issue with pride and uh, and actually I think it was God's way of of helping me through that to just sort of try and gain some humility. So um, yeah, it was it, that was good for me to do. And I think do you know what I think we should all get on the carpet and <laughs> and play with to- uh, car play toys because I, I think and whatever context that means. But I think there's there's something about um, that we're not our job. And, and particularly for those of us in leadership, there's a real danger that we, it becomes our identity. And, and, you know, as a, as a Christian, I believe that, that I'm a child of God. That's my identity. But as soon as we believe that our, our identity is tied up in what we do, 
I think it's really risky. I think it's built on sand because actually that can go. You know, the, the, literally the week after I left the police, it was like, Martin Walker, who, who's he again? You know, it, <laughs> it's like the, the next person has come along and they're doing a cracking job and it's not about us. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really about who we're there to serve. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I've often drawn two parallel lines for people in leadership. There's one of confidence and the other one is of vulnerability or humility. And mm. you have to keep them both parallel because if you lose the humility, you become arrogant. Uh, and if you lose the confidence, then you just become like, I don't know whether it's a weak or uh, beneath you, but that parallel lines of both that I'm confident in yeah. what I'm doing and I'm humble and yeah. vulnerable at the same time. I think it's also a gender issue that plays into this. Like my experience is that, um, is that women uh, generally will go on the humility side um, and men on the arrogance side. That's total generalization. But what I'm trying to say there is I've found people who are going for promotion, for example, um, women will often have to be encouraged because they think, oh, dear, I'm not quite good enough. And they so are. They, 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 they have those skills. They have that ability. And they have to be encouraged. Whereas um, some men, and I've included myself here, actually have to be pulled back a bit saying, you're not quite ready yet, Martin. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I don't know if that, I think there is some literature around that, but um, I think it's quite interesting that, that yeah, I think, I think there is a gender difference on that one. Yeah, there is a, there's an old story of, you know, people going for a job interview in the, you know, can you make this? And the man who's never made one before says, absolutely, I can. And the woman who's made a million of them says, I think so. <laughs> and, and that's the, the difference between the two um, approaches yeah. now. Hopefully that's so, changed. Absolutely. So as a leader, I think we need to recognize that. And, and then and therefore, you know, if we look at our organizations and the, uh, certainly the police in England, it's getting better, um, but it's, it's not there yet. And so is the church in England. Uh, it's getting better, but it's not there in terms of uh, true representation of, of women across um, in senior leadership positions. So, uh, and, and that may be part of it. So uh, being a senior leader, I think it's important to, you know, to recognize these nuances and then to do your, your bit to, to make things right. So you, again, you went from all this, uh, this potential power and, and all the, the gold braid, as you might call it, in, uh, in the UK, or the, all the insignia one day to uh, playing with the, the matchbox cars the next day uh, and humbling yourself. What lessons did you take from one job to the other? Um, yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think, I think any job actually, policing and, or be it the church or be it, you know, in whatever um, industry or uh, sector that people are leading in, it's about people um, and it's about ourselves. So I think it's that, that, that thing about, you know, we have to be able to lead ourselves before we lead others. We have to know ourselves. We have to be that, that, that um, have that self-awareness about how we are, you know, warts and all. Um, uh, and then uh, to, to then be able to lead others and have that empathy with, with others. So I think, you know, policing, policing is, a, is a wonderful career and it, and it deals with people, you know, in the, in the sort of crisis moments of their lives and also, uh, you know, the happy moments and everything. And, and actually being a priest is much the same. You know, um, we get the privilege of walking alongside people, you know, when when the loved ones have just died or when they're getting married or um, uh, or when they're struggling with issues of life. And I think there's there's something about people and, and knowing people, which I think is transferable to, to both. But I think that's that's wider than just those two vocations. I think that, that applies right across the leadership spectrum. Because it sounds like your journey has been as much a journey about you and your learning as it has about the service that you've been giving. And, and you know, you, you've shared a couple of times that you identified weaknesses and have gone after it. So 
Uh, it seems to be a threat. Right, yeah. uh, and I think, again, that's, I think that's um, what leaders should try to do. You know, if we have that arrogance that, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all set, I'm all done, then of course, the next day the world changes and it's, it's moved on, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but to, to accept the fact that actually it is lifelong learning. I like it to, ch- to children. My, my kids are now, um, in fact, in a few months, couple of months' time, they will both be adults. That's scary. <laughs> and, uh, and when you're raising children, uh, <laughs> as, as I know you know, David, you know, you, you kind of suss out an eight-year-old. How's a parent, an eight-year-old? And then they go and grow up and they're like 10. They become nine. Where did that come from? I don't, know, I, I don't know how to parent a 10-year-old. And that just keeps going. So I'm trying to figure out now how to, you know, parent a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old. It's a... Uh, it's a whole new, whole new ball game. Which I was going to say that applies completely across the board, doesn't it? You you become the COO and then you get the job as a CEO and you've never been that before. You have to learn to do it. And the first step should be being humble enough to recognize that you don't know everything you should be doing and so that you're good. going to trip up and make some mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. And I think that what I've noticed also, I don't know if you have, Dave, is that sometimes if you get someone who's um, who, uh, maybe they're a, um, a team leader role, so if in the police that'll be a sergeant maybe and uh, and they're very good at that they're very good at operational leadership and then they get promoted and they they've got a wider span of control and a wider uh, a portfolio and what they try and do is is lead in the same way as they did as a sergeant when they were successful but they just they just like work harder so it's a bit like you know they're on a push bike a pedal cycle and they um, and they were great as a sergeant they were they were the best cyclist out but then now they've been promoted to a, a middle management level and they realize that, oh, I've, I, I just pedaled faster then. Whereas actually when they need to ditch the pedal cycle and get, get themselves a moped, you know, a, a, a motorbike. Um, so I think that that's the difference is that actually the skills that you bring lower up in an organization, they may, ha- they may provide some benefit, but sometimes you just have to ditch the bike. Yeah, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago talking about, and you should see how American I've become, going from quarterback to coach. And that each promotion is like going from being the quarterback to the coach. So that that sergeant That's, is the quarterback. And if yeah. he still operates as the quarterback, when he becomes an inspector, then everything's going to come crumbling down because the sar- new sergeant should be the new quarterback. And you have to learn how to be the coach now at each level. So, so, yeah. so you've taken that and you've gone from being uh, somebody walking the streets, helping people to somebody administrating loads of people walking the streets, helping people to back onto the streets, helping people. Pretty much, yeah. What what leadership kind of rules have you kept throughout that time? Um, I think it's the good thing about the police is that we you're like you're number one, and then you're number two, and then you're number one, number two. So as you progress up an organisation, you're um, you're the top of one triangle, if you like, if you get what I mean. But you're also a bottom of another triangle. So you're you're a team leader, but you're also a member of another team higher up. Um, and that works in hierarchical organisations, maybe, maybe less so in flat organisations. I don't know, but but I think it's just knowing that that actually my job at the moment is to support the priest in charge. So I'm not the priest in charge. So it's what I can do. It's, it's where I can fill the gaps um, to to support him. So um, and and recognising, you know, again, sort of almost like flying the helicopter high to to spot where the the gaps are. Uh, to spot where he has strengths and where he ha- has uh, areas of, for improvement and then just filling the gaps. So that's, I think that's one thing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do at the moment is to, is to, I'm sure there's a quarterback analogy there somewhere. And in the, in the church of England now that may be he or she above you as well, of course. 
totally yeah so yeah, which is it's yeah, cool. we have that, now, which is great yeah um but that i think that's insightful because the what you've said is the first thing i have to do is to make sure i'm looking after myself and i can do my job and then the more i can give air cover give some cover for my boss as well and mm. make them look good the mm. more likely we both are to be successful yeah sort of and I, I i agree with what you just said apart from one thing we are successful i think it, i think that it has to come back to character and humility whereby actually it's not about us um and, and the whole christian ethos is around actually it isn't about us it's it's about it's about you know it's about jesus um and for a um I think for all leaders, the leaders who see it for the greater good, leaders who are there to serve, leaders who are there because they want to do the right thing, because they want to make their organisation better, because they want to make society better, they're the leaders who leave the legacy. Mm -hmm. um, those who are in it for themselves or who are, uh, you know, to make me look good or to, for me to earn money, I think it, it just crumbles. You know, the first bit of tension, the first time it gets really tough, that's where it all falls down. Whereas if in the tough times, if it's about, do you know what? It's not about me. It's, it's about society. It's about people. It's about, I'm here to serve. That whole theme of service, I think, in leadership is, is, is really vital. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of primary for me, I guess. We use that as one of the continuums of our, our model of choice, which is at one end is a self-focused choice, and at the other end is a greater good-focused choice. Nice. And that's the first decision of a leader is to be at the greater good end of that continuum when you're making choices, whatever choice you may make, it should be with a greater good viewpoint, which links into your service. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's spot on there, totally. Cool. And, and how much of this goes all the way back to 1984? <laughs> oh, um, do you know what? It's embarrassing that we probably all look back at our lives and, and, uh, and just reflect on the mistakes we made. I think, oh, did I really do that? <laughs> so that's, that's just the, yeah. The, the wisdom of getting old and, and seeing the mistakes. That, that goes in my mind, hand in glove with the learning. If I'm going to learn, yeah. I'm, I'm going to recognize mistakes I've made early on. And I won't look back on them too embarrassingly. I'll just look at them as part of my learning. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you and I both know that some of our best learning comes from the mistakes we make. Totally. And it's about the, the, the I guess it's as the leaders as well. It's about allowing others to make those mistakes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it's that whole... Um, uh, that whole issue continue about you know the autocratic democracy you know the Taliban and Schmidt I think you know the, the the idea of you can um you can lead by doing and being in charge or you can lead by delegating and allowing others to to take the lead and I think it's it, it whilst you might do a great job if you're if you do it with yourself actually allowing others the, the the permission to fail is so important I think because it's only that in the growth of failing is right. that we uh, we're there so. Yeah, as a few episodes ago, we talked about uh, creating the environment for learning and critical thinking, and that should be the job of the leader. And yeah. part of that environment of learning is, I'm going to screw up and trip up. Uh, as long as I learn from it, then that's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. well, cool. Well, thank you, Martin, and uh, it's good to catch up. I appreciate you being here, and maybe we'll catch up some other time when you have another major career change. But, uh, <laughs> in your no, current no. stats, it'll be 30 years. So. <laughs> so, so who knows where they'll go there it's, awesome. it's really good to connect i appreciate your insight on leadership and your insight on, on making that transition and uh um, thank you thank you dave uh, for inviting me it's been a pleasure thanks you've been listening to the humanity leadership podcast i'm david wheatley and we're brought to you by the book what great teams do great available now at all good bookstores thanks to brian spencer and finkel for the music
Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, till next time we meet, stay healthy.